forever. Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello, I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and dog watcher. I love to watch dogs walking. Oh my God. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and bad dog mom, apparently. What's going on? Beans? I was telling Melissa that Beans is being willful, acting out. He (gasps) won't poop. He won't go on a walk with Mal. He learned to bark. This dog has never barked in the three years that I've owned him. Suddenly, he's learned to bark. Really? Um, What does it sound like? Kind of pathetic. (laughs) Not very, not very scary. Uh, When you say he's never, like, has he literally never barked? Legitimately has never barked. Wow. And then all all of a sudden now, animal lovers, please write in. All of a sudden now he's barking at like the UPS guy or whatever. And he barks when I won't like let him in the room with me. And so... Mal was like, he barked, so I put him in the other room, and he can't hang out with mommy. And I was like, okay, good, good, good. Then as soon as I saw him, what did I do? I picked him up, I kissed him on the head, I said, you a bad boy, and then I put him in the room with me. He's never going to learn. You're not reinforcing his barking because he wasn't barking in that moment, right? Yeah, but I think there's a lot of mixed signals to kissing him on the head and saying, you a bad boy. But he hadn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm terrible disciplining him. My mom <laughs> tells me that all the time. But yeah. also, I and I think that like my mom thinks that because I'm a horrible disciplinarian with sugar, I'm going to be bad with kids. But oh my god, I can discipline kids. I don't care. Well, because kids <laughs> like, at least you can explain. Yeah, with you kids, can explain it. Yeah. And they'll grow up, and you can tell them, and they'll learn. They'll understand why. Like a dog is never going to know why. No, he has no idea, and he's so spoiled. Barking at the UPS people or the Amazon people or whatever, the mailman is like, I know the mailman is historically the enemy of the dog, but I, it's to see it in action. <laughs> you know, sugar is a huge barker and yeah. honestly it's annoying, but it's also like her doing her job. She's like, protecting. Her, she sees her role as being security, you know? And so yeah. when she barks, cause she hears a noise or whenever, then we're, we're sort of like, good job. You're doing, you know, like it's annoying, <laughs> but it's not, I don't think it's necessarily like I'm sure so many people are going to be like, it is bad behavior. But to me, it's her trying to protect the pack. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. I don't know if all dogs are this way, but chihuahuas are burrowers. Oh, and yeah. so like if there's a pile of laundry that I've just folded and it's mm-hmm. like, so whatever, and Beans gets on the bed, it's over. He's in the middle of it. He's putting his whole little body in the laundry. Mm-hmm. He wants to be on all of, uh, he lays on my clothes or Mal's clothes. I think because he it wants to like smell you. us. Yeah. yeah. Look, I've never been more loved than by this little dog. Like Ugh. he is obsessed with me. And so like, how, what am I, how can I be mad about that? Yeah, it's just barking. No, but not even that. I mean, he's incredibly needy. Like he needs to be touching me at all times, which is kind of funny because Mal's that way too. So I was like, how did I end up with a dog and a person who are literally the same? <laughs> is Beans bonded to Mal? Yeah, that's good. Beans, it's- stop. He's biting. <laughs> he's laying on my jeans, biting my jeans. You've never chewed on anything before in your life and suddenly he's chewing on stuff. I truly think he's bored. Yes. You should get him stimulating activity toys. Yeah, I think they're bored by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But yes, he is super bonded to Mal. He loves Mal. Oh, Mal good. is like very much like 
dad. Um, he only had me. And then there was no one, you know, uh, after my ex, there was not like another dad in the house. You know, this is only his second dad. Yeah. Look, so, Sugar's, had, Sugar's had quite a few, but I think she's finally figured out that I'm the one that's going to stay. <laughs> that's nice. So Beans is so needy and gets so upset when I leave the house. And I'm like, why? Just like trust that I'm coming back. Like I've always come back. But then I'm like, well, think about it from his perspective. Why his would first, he trust that? Why would he trust that? His first owners, whoever they were, left. And then uh, he had a dad for a year. And that person walked out, went to get cigarettes and never came back. So why would he trust that? Why? I'm like, what what evidence do you have that I'm going to leave or Mal's going to leave for, you know, when he's like, actually, he has quite a quite a lot of evidence. Uh, in case you were wondering if this was just a dog podcast. I wish it was. This is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games and brutal honesty. Yeah, I was wondering when we got back to L.A. if Sugar would like start looking around the apartment for Jake. But then I dislocated my knee and didn't bother caring about that. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he also OK, I don't know that Beans is smart. Do you think Sugar is smart? Yes, but I think she's hard to train because she's very stubborn. OK, so historically, I, <laughs> you would base it off of like how easily are they trained? You yeah, know? I don't think she's like super smart. No. Beans is very easy to train in the sense that he'll do tricks like he does high five. He Mal taught him kiss where he'll lean oh. and kiss. Mal also started calling his treats cookies. So he'll, it's very sweet. So Mal will be like, do you want a cookie? Which is super cute. So like he learns things, but I do not think that he is smart. And That's okay. yeah, I mean, the the vet was funny. The vet was like, he has such a good memory because he'll like react to the person who like expressed his anal glands last time. And he'll be like, not you. And uh, and so I was like, oh, he has a really good memory. And then I was saying to my friend, Brittany Nichols, I was like, he must be a Gemini. He's so petty. <laughs> he, he holds grudges. He's not smart, but he is holding grudges. Hey. More power to them. <laughs> we are so excited for this week's episode. We are going to be joined by Dr. Sarah Flowers to ask her some tough questions about sex education. It's a wonderful, illuminating interview because I know we all are, are navigating things differently in the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Um, and she plays a incredible round of hypotheticals. So stay <laughs> tuned. <laughs> so we'll be right back after this quick break. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice to text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. 
This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Right before I found out about this project, my mom made an offhand comment about wanting to write a memoir because she had such a wild childhood and there are all these things she's never really talked to us about. But asking someone to sit down and write a memoir is kind of daunting. So then I got her mylifeinabook.com and now she's getting prompts to answer on a weekly basis and it's a lot easier than just undertaking an entire memoir. I'm so excited to see what my mom does with mylifeinabook.com because she's someone who doesn't always feel comfortable just sharing about herself but having these prompts and knowing that I really want to hear her answers is going to inspire her to probably share more with me about her life and her upbringing than I've ever been shared with before so I'm so excited for that. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code just between us at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code just between us for 10% off today. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have Dr. Sarah Flowers, who's the vice president of education at Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Hello. Hello. Thank Um, you so much for joining us. I've started to geek out on like public health people. (laughs) Okay, so what what is it like right now being vice president at, of education at Planned Parenthood? What's the what's the vibe? What's the what's going what's on? The vibe? Oh my gosh, I have so many things to like respond to all of those those, those points <laughs> in the introduction. As a public health nerd, just living this life in this moment is wild. Uh-huh. Yeah, because we like in school, you were like, you heard of a global pandemic, and then when it was like a year ago, this was really happening. I was like, am I gonna live this? Are we yeah. going to do that? Okay. It's like this weird, like floating above yourself, like, um, you know, sort of like being watching history unfold as you're in it. Yeah. In terms of Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood is awesome. I love it. I tell people like, wow, when my, the first week on my job, I get to talk about sex education all the time. <laughs> And the the very bad joke that I make is like, even budgeting is fun. I want to talk about all parts of sex education all the time. And I also want to learn from the amazing people doing this work across the country. So it's super positive for me. Yeah, I wanted to talk a bit about your approach to sex education, because just reading about you, it says that you take an emotional intelligence approach to it. And so what, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. Making sure that we're emotionally intelligent in this work really means that we, one, it's like thinking about, do we know how to name feelings, Mm -hmm. right? Can we identify feelings? Can we identify what that is that you're experiencing? And then can you really think about how that feeling is driving your choices, your behaviors? When you think about our sexuality and the way that we are either just our identity or the way that we behave. Mm -hmm. It's really important to be able to name those things for yourself so that you're sort of intentionally going down a path. That doesn't mean we don't stumble. All of us stumble. We all learn things, but it helps us to have a sense of, did I make that decision because I wanted to try a thing? Was I upset with you because of the thing that you did for me right now? Or did that like cue me from something that happened a while ago? Mm -hmm. Those are pieces of emotional intelligence that really show up in that way that we navigate who we are and how we show up with other people. And I feel like that's a part that's very lacking from what we think of as like public education, sex education. If you even think about 
elementary school education, we talk about social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. These are aligned, right? And Mm -hmm. so one of the elements that I try to share with folks when I explain sex education is that there's, it's really lifelong. It's Mm -hmm. really from like in, I mean, we're not educating a person in utero necessarily, but you're, you're a sexual being always, this is an element of our humanity and it exists in us through life. Right. And so being a recognizing that like our social emotional education is inherently intrinsically related to how we navigate the world. And that shows up when we're learning the names of our body parts and what those body parts do. And it shows up when we learn how to treat our friends and whether or not I can snatch your truck in the playground, right? Like, or is it okay if I play with your truck? Like those are building blocks of consent. And so we're really recognizing that these are pieces of us that show up all the time. It's not just something that you click on in seventh grade and click off when you're 18. Like this happens, we keep renegotiating as our relationships evolve Mm -hmm. through all the stages of our lives. And now we're in this really weird situation where so many people are are starved for human connection in a physical way, whether that so even smart. just be like a hug if yeah. you live alone and have no one in your bubble. So I think that really gets into what you were talking about of intention. Like, so how do you know if you're reaching out to make a connection because you're just starved for a connection or because it's the right connection? So how do you have somebody kind of navigate that? No, I I think that's super real. I mean, skin hunger is real. Mm -hmm. As human beings, Mm -hmm. we crave touch. So folks who are physically distancing at home solo, if they live alone. I mean, we've seen even, I've told my colleagues, we got a dog, right? I never thought I'd be someone who got a dog. And we're a family of three and we're thrilled to have this dog, just to have like a new living entity. But I think like, So the ways that we're seeking connection with other living beings is evolving. I think this notion of like what's right, there's never one right thing. But what we're trying to do, especially from an emotionally intelligent perspective, is try to make the best decision you can for now. And hopefully that that's if you're thinking a few beats ahead, how can that also be a good decision for later? Right. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to think about those pieces and depending on where we are in our own development, like adolescents have the way that their prefrontal cortex is developing. That's a different Mm -hmm. ability. And that ability evolves. I think that this notion that folks are doing the best they can, and that we really need to acknowledge that skin hunger and human connection is, is really vital for the way that we thrive and that we need to find maybe new and different ways to meet that need in this, in this current reality. How? What, How can yeah, we? What are those yeah. needs? <laughs> How do we meet them? <laughs> I think we're learning a lot from the digital natives, the young folk, mm-hmm. right? Like we're learning a lot about the way that they're in, they, they've they've always engaged online. They've always engaged in a digital space. And frankly, the, the older folk were sort of like, get off that screen. And now we're like, we need that screen to be connected to one another. And so how can we make those connections as fulfilling as possible? And how do we do it in a way that's respecting our own boundaries as much as possible? So, you know, for folks, listen, there are real, there are real legal concerns around sexting and minors. Mm -hmm. But I mean, for folks who are over 18, this notion of using a digital space to connect with potential sexual partners is a real thing folks are doing. And before people were like, oh, sexting, is it dangerous? Is it not? But really in this moment where we really have to keep a physical distance from folks to prevent COVID transmission, 
there's an opportunity to really explore that Mm -hmm. in a way if you're, but we need to also keep in mind, what are my boundaries? What are that other person's boundaries or people's boundaries? How do we communicate about that? How do I ensure that you're going to respect my privacy when we're done? Mm -hmm. So I think there's real opportunities to have meaningful conversations, communicate about where my real line in the sand is. And also just from a, a, a non-sexual, just a connection and a friendship piece, like the way young people and older people are gaming and showing up in gaming communities, mm-hmm. the way they're having Zoom parties and how many Zoom birthdays and weddings have we gone to this year? Or I have an eight-year-old child. I can't tell you how many Zoom dress-up events I've had to <laughs> um, and, but But really, they're doing it. Like, And folks are doing it. And I think that we need to lean into this moment and use our creativity to find new ways to like sort of scratch that itch. And so let's say you maybe do connect with someone online on like a dating app or even just Twitter or something. And and you feel like you want to maybe move it into that sexting territory, but that's something you've never done with someone you've never met in real life before. Like, how do you recommend like broaching that topic? Again, the building blocks are are similar for a conversation around how you would broach a topic about a person's history or their STI testing and to understand where their health is. And so I say, there's an opportunity to say, hey, I this is what I'm ready for using I statements. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? And let the person respond, right? The person may be like, not about it. And then that's <laughs> the end. Mm-hmm. Or the person may be like, oh, I'm, I'm so glad you brought it up. What would work for you? And maybe if you're the person initiating, you could say, these are three things that I'd like to try. How do you feel about that? I almost wonder if there's an opportunity because technology affords us a little bit of time and space Mm -hmm. that you can say, let me think about it. I'll get right back to you. As opposed to if I were sitting on the couch next to a person, maybe they're surprised and they're like, oh, I feel like I have to answer right now and I feel pressured. But actually this distance gives us Mm -hmm. an opportunity to really explore for ourselves. Is this where I want to go? Is this where I want to be? It might also give you a chance to try a thing and then be like, that wasn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely. I think also saying like, I definitely don't want this. I definitely don't want to share pictures might be a boundary for a person. Mm-hmm. Or I definitely don't want to do a live FaceTime or whatever, mm-hmm. or, you know, but I feel comfortable texting. Like there's, there's an opportunity because technology has like sort of clear lanes, maybe for people to feel more comfortable saying what does or doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people, we've talked about this a little bit on the show, I think a lot of people are going to come out of this with a different sexuality or gender that they went into it with. I, I think there's a real a real opportunity to explore new things. I mean, I think the sex toy industry is really, like, you can order, I mean, we were you could have ordered things before, mm-hmm. but maybe now there's a need that's more, that's more like I'm alone and I need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I've really always been, you can say to yourself, I've really always been curious about this thing. Mm-hmm. And now boop, 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 <laughs> it's at my doorstep. So I think that that's really happening. Yeah. Exploring who we are and how we identify and who we're interested in. All of those things are really, I, it's almost like, can we find some silver linings mm-hmm. in this pandemic? And and so if you're someone who has maybe never felt comfortable, like exploring with that stuff, like what advice would you give? Like, where do you start? 
what are there certain websites you recommend? I wouldn't Google. <laughs> but I think certainly on our website, on the PlannedParenthood.org website, we have learn pages where there's a lot of opportunities to explore, like, how do I start these conversations? How parents can start conversations with young people, um, how we can be supportive. Like there's a lot of, and we also have a video series that's available both for young people and for parents. And so there's a, there's a lot of other sex education leaders that have uh, resources online for young people. Amaze is an incredible series um, that answers a lot of questions. And I think we need to sort of acknowledge that like our own growth and development, whether it's our physical growth or our, our identity or our sexuality, all of these things that are constantly ev- evolving, they didn't stop because of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So like, I am really thinking about young people whose I, are they, I hope that they're home safe, right? That they're, that, that as they're finding these new parts of themselves, are they in a space where they can be, do that in a safe way? Especially our LGBTQI young folks. There's, there's resources that they can connect with one another. Q chat space is one that comes to mind, is a online space for um, LGBTQI young people around just building community. Mm. And so I think there's a lot of resources out there for various, depending on your needs. Is it that you want to make connect with community or do you want to have resources so you can support others? Mm -hmm. Right. Let's say like you, you do meet someone online, you know, in the past it was like, you could sort of take longer to kind of figure out like, what are you? Where is this going? And now it's sort of like to be safe, you kind of have to agree to like be at each other's bubble sort of, right? So how if you want to meet up in, in real life? So how do we navigate that? <laughs> yeah, what have yeah. people been doing? I'm such a casual person that this whole thing is like making my skin itch. <laughs> that's real, that's real. People are are not rushed, I think. But let me let me just say like, these are anecdotal, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't have like a peer-reviewed study. Right. Right? <laughs> like, um, I think like, again, to lean into the, the technology and to just conversations, you have an opportunity to actually talk and get to know, do you want, is it worth you to have, you know, expanding your bubble to meeting this person? There's a lot of outdoor activities. I mean, I'm located in New York City. I never knew I could be outside in the cold this much. <laughs> and yet here we are and we're doing it. And I can't believe we've made it through this winter. And I'm excited about that. So I feel like folks are being, again, leaning into the creativity, leaning into what's available to them around, you know, wearing masks, layering up, finding outdoor ways to meet in person. And then what I've seen is folks are having real conversations and when they decide to both understand what each person's current experience looks like around a pod or a bubble, and then what it looks like to bring those bubbles together. Mm-hmm. So it really, again, leans into, I think, the communication, the understanding of my own boundaries, you understanding yours, and figuring out how we bring those things together. I've read stories of people meeting online in this last year, and then dating online, and then finally deciding to meet, and then fi- moving in together. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Look, I'm queer. I've seen, I've seen that. They have, like, people <laughs> have, like, bought houses. Everyone's engaged. It's, like, fucking nightmare. Folks are doing stuff. Not so that like, queer women oh, no. weren't doing that before, but oh man, is it really ramped up. 
What if you are, though, a more casual person? Like, I've definitely had friends who are like, okay, we're going to meet up for like a night. But now it's like, you know, we're getting tested. You're getting tested. It's a whole thing. Like, it feels like it feels like old school STD testing a little bit. And also the let's just name it. There's stigma around COVID in the same way that there's stigma around STIs. I think that that folks are different folks are making different decisions based on their own comfort level. I mean, I think from a I don't I think from a guidance standpoint, the 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 CDC guidance is clear. Mm-hmm. And so to the extent that folks take in take that in, take it into consideration and then make the best decisions because I think um the truth is like physical touch is also important and how do you get that need met? Yeah. Um while considering the real, like the science is, is, is real and we're learning more and more about this virus. And so I think acknowledging all those truths and trying to do the best we can to protect one another. Mm-hmm. I feel like I see so many like amazing women online talking about the, you know, that they've been alone for a year. And like, I can tell it, it, it's so hard and they're, they're being such responsible citizens, but I also feel like I wish that they would sort of prioritize like what we were talking about in terms of like getting these needs met, you know, cause it, I feel like sometimes people feel like it's selfish to do that or like it's dangerous. But if you, if you meet somebody and you do have those conversations about getting tested and all of that, like it, it is relatively safe to, to join bubbles. Right. It depends on like people whose parents are autoimmune. Like Mm -hmm. there's like so many like there's a difference between friends of mine who are who live alone, who are like quarantined basically all the time, but like won't meet up with someone. Yeah, that's part of what I'm talking about. Yeah, versus like someone my friends who are like I live with like my sister who's autoimmune disorder. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get I get it. But like. But like friends of mine who I think are just being like, oh, now the pandemic is my new excuse to to not be vulnerable with another person. But that's don't you think that that's a different question? Yeah, like, it's, it's like, it's, why? That's a different question. It's as a hard to, people. It's I mean, super challenging. Humanity is complex. I think that the really important thing is like we all are coming to the this this pandemic table with different people that we have to consider when we make decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the reality of anyone's life and also like really where the tolerance is for solitude, where the tolerance is for lack of touch, where the to- or for touch. I mean, some people just are 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 not interested. That's not really where their mm-hmm. their pleasure no, lies. No, totally. Right? I think like recognizing that there's not one answer mm-hmm. is really important that people are going to show. And also this is really stressful. Yes. Depressed, so the way we yeah. showed up before is maybe not going to look like we would have done now because we've never lived through this before. We mm-hmm. don't have a guidebook for how to put one foot in front of the other. We're literally like, Oh my God, how did we wake up? And today is March, whatever today is. Right. Fifth, right. Like it's shocking. And so I think like, we're all doing the best we can, making the best decisions that we can and trying to stay whole. And that may be delivery for some folks. Like, I don't want to tell you what my seamless account looks like. I literally <laughs> put the energy to like roast a chicken. Yeah. And that's just where my stuff ended, right? My kid's going to turn into a burrito. But... <laughs> 
we're, we're, we're making it, we're putting one foot for the other. So I think that's what folks are doing. And I think that like, we, we want to get, I want to give myself and everyone I know the grace to try to do that in the way that, that holds them whole. Right. And that may Mm -hmm. look different for all of us. Yeah. It's not sexy during a global pandemic. I'm shocked. (laughs) Well, and the other thing is, I've talked a lot about like people's libido and some folks, I know folks who's like, for them, their libido like completely plummeted and their partner was like, we're home together all the time. (laughs) So many opportunities, lunch, you know, like quickies at lunch and this and that. And people are like, if you touch me again, (laughs) like I'm literally, and those are, those people are partnered in in a physical distancing at home together. So I think we have to recognize that like the way that we even cope with stress is Mm -hmm. different in our own relationships. Mm -hmm. So those are like real hurdles, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about people who are, are living with their partners during this time and like the expectations of what your sex life should look like when you're together 24 hours a day? Oh, yeah. I think it's funny. This is all uncharted territory for all of us. Mm-hmm. And some folks are like, wow, I'm really psyched to be home with this person. And other folks are like, do I know you? Did you, <laughs> like, did you used to breathe like that? Oh. Have you always breathed like that? Do you know what I mean? Like... And I think those are, tr- th- both of those things are true. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, we have our own emotions that affect how we hear your breathing today. <laughs> and also how our libido functions as it, like in proximity to stress mm-hmm. or in proximity to whatever else you're dealing with. Are you able to get outside? That's stressful. Um, are you able to move your body the way you used to before? Some people aren't, they, their libido drops when they don't feel great about their bodies. Mm-hmm. Your kid is home 24 seven now. Dude, there's Ooh. no break. These little kids don't go anywhere. My little kids, she's, she's like in the same pages for 36 hours at a time. And she's like, I'm good. What's the problem? (laughs) Yeah. Privacy is also a real thing. Mm -hmm. And the demands of the people that you care for Mm -hmm. in New York city, there's so much apartment living. Yeah, Like you hear everybody's everything. Yeah, That's life. And what do you think it's going to be like as we transition back into a somewhat normal life for people who, you know, haven't dated in a year plus and haven't had interactions in real life with people? (laughs) I heard a term. I heard a term online that once everyone's vaccinated, it's going to be the whoring 20s. (laughs) Where people are just going to, it's going to be like the roaring 20s, but it's going to be the whoring 20s where people are just going to go out and like spit in each other's mouths and like that. I don't think, I, I, that's funny and I'm also like I was at a point at some point I don't even remember when because what is time but like (laughs) at some point I was like did we really used to eat the birthday cakes that someone would blow on Mm -hmm. I am like I will never everyone's getting their own (laughs) cupcake from now on or donut or something like this is no longer a situation where like what were we thinking but I think like yeah maybe the whoring 20s are going to be a thing but also like Maybe folks are going to lean into, like, I used to be, you know, running nonstop from 7.30 in the morning till nine o'clock at night. And now I'm like, oh, I did one thing today. I think I got to go home and sit on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really stressed by that one chicken I roasted. Like, that's, like, it's really interesting. I think um, it'll be interesting to see how our social skills mm-hmm. return, like, mm-hmm. how comfortable we are 
alone, silent with our pet who doesn't talk back to us. And again, because humanity is so complicated, we're all going to respond differently. I mm-hmm. mean, again, because I'm, a, I'm parenting this, this child, I'm really conscious of how she shows up, who she connects with when we see people in person that are masked. Like she, we were watching a movie and she was like, wow, it's really funny to watch a movie where people aren't wearing masks uh, and I can see ugh. their mouths. Yeah. And I don't actually have a crystal ball in, to know what it's going to be like. It could be all of those things. Depending <laughs> yeah. on each one of us shows up in the world. This feels like such a wild roller coaster for me. And to think about also how how is this going to impact our development? How is this going to impact the way young people are connecting? Like you, like we mentioned earlier, are, are learning about themselves, seeing themselves. Maybe online young people are seeing, being affirmed because they're seeing more than what's just offered to them in person in their community. Maybe that's mm-hmm. an amazing thing. Maybe mm-hmm. we're seeing like connection. Like, uh, you know, for from a Planned Parenthood perspective, what I'm hearing is that opportunities for sex education to really lean into the digital space has Mm -hmm. actually bridged gap because kids who didn't have, they didn't have a ride to something if they were, especially if they were in rural spaces where things are miles and miles apart, Mm -hmm. where that now everything is online. So folks can get connection and access and connect to other peers, connect to adults who they can you know, feel, feel trust and build trust with like, these are new opportunities. So I think it's going to be, how do we move forward? Not do we go back to anything? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're feeling like you don't know how to communicate with people anymore in real life (laughs) and like, and you're sort of almost dreading like the reinteraction in, in IRL, what tips and tricks would you maybe offer people? I mean, I still think we're in the pandemic. I still think we our cortisol is pumping. So mm-hmm. I think we need to give ourselves some some grace. I think that like I, I just as like full disclosure, like I find myself like I wasn't great at small talk before, but I find myself like really standing in silence when I'm with people that I know and like, but I don't have any stories to tell you. I didn't leave my house. This thing happened in my day. Because it's so like your ability, like I either there's like these big ideas. And so you feel, I feel, I can't speak for other people. I feel self-conscious that I'm not like filling the airspace mm-hmm. in like social interactions. And then also on the flip side, I feel this need to reach out to folks that I'm not seeing that are not folks that I right. would see for a walk. So I'm calling folks more and having conversations. How have you been? What's up with you? And that's yeah. actually a nice change. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that I have advice other than give yourself grace that this was, this is continues to be stressful and mm-hmm. we're still learning how we're going to react. Um, and that I think the other piece is that stress shows up for us all differently. So maybe we're a little awkward because that's mm-hmm. how we cope and that's maybe okay. And I guess I, this is sort of like a weird question, but like, I think maybe there'll be an assumption that like, because this pandemic's been happening, you don't necessarily need to ask your partner to get tested for STIs because you assume that maybe they've been safe. But would you recommend that that's still something that should be discussed? Yeah, I, w- I would I would encourage folks actually never to make assumptions because we are only in control of our own behaviors. Mm-hmm. So I think that really pr- continuing to prioritize our healthcare with, especially now, you know, at the beginning of this, like 
folks really couldn't get access to routine healthcare. But now we've really leaned into a space where folks can get access and either telehealth, um, regular appointments, checkups, you really can keep up your cadence of mm-hmm. regular healthcare because um, physicians and clinician offices have really put distancing protocol in place. And so I think really keeping up with your routine checks, including STI checks, is really a good practice. And encouraging your partners to do the same is a good practice. And I think we need to be honest that I really only know what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's just reality. And I don't, I think that we could have a conversation about, well, I trust my partner. It's okay to just like continue that because that's the way that you already practiced in your relationship. Let's get tested regularly. Let's share our tests with each other and keep that up. That doesn't need, we're not stopping that now. We're going to keep that up because that's the responsible way to, to, to take care of one another. There's going to be a lot of really interesting studies just for for you as a policy <laughs> nerd or as a public health nerd. And for us as laymen, it's going to be a lot of interesting studies coming in the next couple yeah. of years, I, 10 years. I'd love, I'd love to see that the studies are really centering uh-huh. BIPOC folks and queer and non queer folks, trans and non-binary folks. Like, I really would love to see that we're not going to continue to perpetuate research subjects in the way that the the old school demographic, Mm -hmm. like predominantly white, middle class, whatever. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think it'll be really, I'd love to see that so that we can be telling a more robust story of Mm -hmm. what people are actually doing and the decisions folks are actually making. I'd love to see folks really doing more mixed methods research. So making sure that they get narrative and qualitative data and not just quantitative because we're not telling the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that can actually get to your questions, right? Like really ask about why did you make that choice? What drove right. you to go left instead of right or stay, mm-hmm. hold the ship steady or whatever your path was? Those, the, those interviews and focus groups and really the work you all do interviewing folk gives an opportunity for people to tell their stories And before we move on um, to the game show, I kind of bring it back to what you said about silver linings, which we all love. And, you know, I think in every opportunity, hopefully we can find some. I wonder if in in getting more comfortable talking to people about COVID and talking to people about what's your exposure level, who's your in your bubble, have you been tested recently? Maybe this will make people more comfortable in the future talking about STI testing, talking about comfort levels, talking about consent. Do you think that maybe that could be a a, a silver lining of it all? I mean, I hope so. I mean, I don't know if this is funny and I don't know if this is like, but when at the beginning of this, when there were so much public, like it's not that hard to wear a mask. Right. (laughs) And it's not that hard to use barrier methods. It's not that hard to use internal or external condoms, right? And we've known for many years that um, internal and external condoms really prevent STI transmission and unintended pregnancy. And as sex educators, we were all like, we've been talking about this. The (laughs) community is like, come to us. We can help you with the math thing. We can make it fun. We can like show you how it works. This Mm -hmm. is how, you know, like, not a chin strap actually over your nose and your mouth. And again, like, I don't mean to like be beat a dead horse, but the fundamentals of these skills are taught in sex education and they're taught in social emotional education. 
around how we protect ourselves and that mm-hmm. old saying like my mask protects you and your mask protects me mm-hmm. the same thing goes for condoms um, <laughs> and so I think there's the skills and strengthening that muscle as you say like yeah I hope that we're we're more public health conscious I hope that we're more aware of how we can protect each other and how our behaviors can protect one another and that we can talk about it that mm-hmm. I can really reflect on what my boundaries are and then articulate them to you. Yeah, because I think this has really made you figure out what your boundaries are and what you're comfortable with and having to learn the language to explain that to other people in a way that we really haven't had to before. And then the last piece of that, so it's it's your own self-exploration, it's the communicating to another, and then you have to like assert it, Mm -hmm. Yes. Like it's not just, you know, are you comfortable, am I comfortable? But it's also like, actually, I can't do that thing. I can't come to your, I don't know unmasked backyard barbecue. I can't roll, but I will zoom in and (laughs) cheers you. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just like in theory, but it's how are we operationalizing or putting those, those guidelines, values into practice. And that's hard because peer pressure is real. It's hard. Boundaries are so hard. They're hard anyway. But then now it's hard, especially like, you know, we can sit here and we are a type of people who are like, well, obviously you wear a mask. But like I have friends in other parts of the country who are like their friend groups are doing things without masks. And they're like, oh, like Caitlin's such a bitch. Like she won't come to our like bridal shower or whatever. And it's like, Um, what? (laughs) I mean, even in our own lives, I'm sure we can point to folks that we cared a lot about and then we learned things about their values and behaviors in this past year. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh, really? Like there's mm-hmm. this yeah. real, like, you know, like the record stops. And, and that's, I think, hard too, because I think that you have this sort of moment of that's how you see this yeah. about someone that you care about. Yeah. thought you trusted their judgment. And now you're questioning that piece. So that's, that's, I think, a real new experience. I mean, and maybe we're, I think like, listen, peer pressure is not new. We no, know yeah. But I think the way that it's showing up and especially showing up for, it's not just, we always assume like kids have to learn about peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Kids have to learn how to, you know, say no. But actually this is showing up really hard for adults. This mm-hmm. is showing up really hard. Like I've been to a playground and had to say, I've had to say to my kid, if there are kids here without masks on, you can't play near them. We have to go yes. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so like our own families, we're going back to strengthening that muscle. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I hopefully in seeing other people talking about it and seeing that there are people who do agree with you and that seeing other people stand up for their boundaries and, and not go to that baby shower and not go to that wedding. Hopefully it empowers people to be like, oh, OK, I can say no. I can hopefully put my my health and safety first. I hope too. Would, would you like to play a game show? I'd love to play a game show. So you and Gabby are my contestants. Um, This game is called Hypotheticals. I give you a series of hypothetical situations and then you can ask as many clarifying questions as you might have and then tell me what you would do or what you think of it. Okay. You're going to have a blast. Uh, (laughs) We don't win.
win. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. Clear. Okay. Got it. I'm I'm real. I'm in the lane. I got it. Okay. Okay. So our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Okay. Your partner of seven years admits that once a month they have a romantic date with their dead spouse's hologram <laughs> that includes some sexual stuff. Would you stay with this cheater? The year is 2047. So the technology is pretty accurate. How long has this been going on? Your whole relationship. But how long is our relationship? Seven, seven years. years. Um, are they, they're the cheating. Who defines this as cheating? The cheating is defined because it's a hologram. Well, that's up to you. Maybe you don't define it as cheating. Well, but they've been lying to me about where, where were they saying? I'm at the batting cages. Yes, exactly. Twenty forty seven. They still go to the batting cages. Yes. <laughs> the technology at the batting cages is so good. Now. They're playing a hologram of Sammy Sosa. <laughs> they're playing a hologram of Babe Ruth. I'm with someone who went to the batting cages. <laughs> <laughs> Your partner was at said that they were at Broadway. So they definitely lied. Yes. yes. Uh, okay. That's the problem um, to me. So I have other questions because I'm like a sex ed nerd. Like, please, what's this? What's the sexual? How does that work with a hologram? Tell me about that. Thanks for asking. Um, I guess it would be like um, masturbation to the hologram, but the hologram like it like is also is, doing that, and yeah. it's like communicative. Well, okay, but in Star Trek, I'm a Star Trek fan. I believe they're called Trekkies in Star Trek. There is a thing called the hollow suite and people do fuck in it. And I don't really understand consent in terms of the hollow suite because it seems to change a lot. Um, if any other Trekkies have any information about how <laughs> consent works in the hollow suite, please write in. But they they do kiss and fuck the hollows, the hollow suite people like penetration. But holograms. But yes, like dude. Super technical here. Are we staying with a hologram? Is it light? not a it's a but it's light in the shape of a body but it's light it's not it's not fit you can't really touch it oh right. okay but, but uh, because of the technology can. because of the technology it has the personality of the dead spouse it's like ai so maybe there's some real emotional cheating happening there my piece is this is me as a human yeah uh -huh. my piece is I would like us not to lie to each other. That uh -huh. is where my that's where my line is drawn in the sand. Me too. The 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 mutual masturbation with light doesn't that's not. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I care about the lying. I care about the communication. I care about like what need are you not getting met and how can we help you get this need met? Well, because you're not their dead spouse. Well, then I can never be. That's true. Right? People deal with that. That's true. That's a yeah. real thing. Mm -hmm. How did the spouse die? Uh, in a hologram accident. No! <laughs> Fucking come on! <laughs> wow. Wow. I think those are very reasonable answers. I'll accept them. Okay. <laughs> okay, our next game. Are you a terrible parent? You and your teenage daughter are in a fight. She tells you to respect her boundaries and not talk to her for the rest of the day. She is about to leave to go hang out with friends when you notice she has toilet paper hanging out of her pants. You call her name to tell her, but she shouts, don't talk to me. So you let her leave with toilet paper hanging out of her pants. Are you a terrible parent? I'd be like, I wouldn't even warn her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I'm funny like that. I'd be like, that's empowering. Rough. It's hard. I mean, you're not going to be hurt. You're just going to be embarrassed. You'll be all right. Yeah, now <laughs> you've learned your you lesson. Especially if you're stank about it. No. Bye. Good luck. Your friends will tell you. And if not, they're not good friends. Bye. Wow. Here's my question. And I don't like this in films as well. Mm-hmm. When someone is like, wait, I have to. T-, and then they're like, no, I don't want to hear it. Like the time it took you to say, wait, I have to say or whatever. You could just say the thing. No, all you said was Jenna. And then Jenna, <laughs> fucking being a Jenna. complete bitch, was like, shut up, mom. And then she was gone. <laughs> I want to know. My my parenting brain is like, Jenna is stank anyway. Why is Jenna allowed to leave? Yeah. Like, oh. What was the behavior that she's allowed to just bounce? But I don't know. Maybe that was, maybe she just read to me and there was another plan and she's not on punishment or something so whatever yeah you just have had some personality clashes yeah, but she I, hasn't I, broken any rules i probably would have been petty in the first place i probably didn't <laughs> anything, so or i might yeah. have been like, i might have been like jerky and been like uh yeah and you're got toilet paper on the back of your shoe so whatever that now you whatever i don't know I don't it was out that. of her pants as someone who's had that happen and walked around grand central station with it um only for my partner at the time to not notice or tell me until we made it home but it none is, of the other people on the planet nobody nobody what? mentioned it nobody mentioned it pre-covid i would do if somebody's tag was sticking out of the back of their shirt i'd be like your tag is sticking out am i allowed to put it back in but that's yeah. because I'm like a, f- a femme presenting person who like they're like, this person's not creepy. You know what the bigger problem is, Allison? I don't know which partner that was, but that they didn't even notice. Yeah. Well, then he abandoned me, even though we were engaged. So there were a lot of problems there. <laughs> See, and that was your, and I think that was your first red flag. That was my first red flag. The toilet paper incident was writing on the wall. I would go, it doesn't hurt me that you didn't tell me. It hurts me it hurts that you me didn't, didn't even notice. notice. Yeah. <laughs> but I have had people, I once, I used to live in DC or in college, I lived in DC. And um, I once walked from DuPont Circle to GW with like the, like a tag from the, like a, I had a new oh, shirt. from the store. That's not that bad. And I don't feel woman, bad for you. I had toilet paper hanging out of my butt. This person came up to me, stopped me and said, your tag is hanging out. Can I rip it off for you your new tag and it was like really nice and i didn't like wander around the whole day oh things flopping behind me i would just go no tuck it in i'm gonna return this oh i didn't do that but i <laughs> no, will tuck say, it in i shoplifted <laughs> i will say like i want you like i want to have relationships with people where like if i have spinach in my teeth i know oh, i tell i tell like, right away hey Mm-hmm. You need to check out the mirror. Like, don't let me go through the whole day. Mm-hmm. I once got home from work and had like all the, you know how like you rub your eyes in mascara? Yeah. Uh-huh. And I had like black circles under my eyes and I looked wild. And I was like, <laughs> why did no one, I was with all of these people all day and nobody pulled me aside and was like, you should get a tissue and wipe that off or like be aware. Maybe they thought it was a look. It wasn't a look. It was not a look and I need folk to come. I would never let you walk around like that. I would always say, hey, I think that's probably, I think like on the, on the scale, I think spinach in your teeth is like sort of not, not intentional. Nobody yeah. wants <laughs> well, you don't or know like the latest bagel poppy seed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> nobody true. wants that. Well, wow. I have people tell me all the time I have something in my teeth, but it's really just a gap and then they get so uncomfortable. <laughs> Allison has well, one small tooth. People, too small too. And it's a weird thing people and their boundaries it's a weird thing 
And so I do think we should, like all of this aside, we should acknowledge that like people have had their hands slapped figuratively by commenting. We're not supposed to, we shouldn't, we should be polite and not comment on people's physique. And actually the, the term of the, the like guidance I got was don't comment on anyone's physique unless like problematically, unless it's something they can fix in five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. If they can't, if you can't tuck in a tag or get the spinach out of your teeth, it's not useful. You're just, it's none of your business and it's not actually a helpful thing to do to anyone. I agree. I love that saying. Okay. We have one final game. Are we ready? Okay. Ready. Is this a date? You're traveling on a business trip with your favorite work colleague. When you try to make plans for dinner, they say you should just order room service to their room and alternate taking long, relaxing baths. Is this a date? Wow. Why are you taking baths in the same room? Just to hang out? Just to hang out. I don't want to be in a bathtub in a hotel. I don't want to be in a bathtub in a hotel with, no. I'm going (laughs) to, is it a date is your question, not would you do it? Uh, uh, (laughs) It's awkward. (laughs) It's, I don't know if it's a date. It's just a social interaction that I'm going to (laughs) decline. Yeah. Because then you're opening the door for like sexual harassment claims. And no, there's a real, she said, she said situation. I think it's a no, but is it a date? Yes. I think they are trying to get with you for sure. But it's alternating baths. I don't care. You still, (laughs) you come out of the bath, you come out of the bath. And you're like, and you're in your towel and you're feeling good about yourself and your skin is nice. And maybe they've ordered wine mm-hmm. and you're yeah. like, you know what? Just one, just one glass. What could it do? Oh my God. There's a romantic comedy on TV. We should watch this. Cut to you're snuggling. You wake up in the no. middle of the night. You're like, oh, I, we fell asleep holding each other. You might as well kiss. Have you stand this this is a movie that you're crafting for us. I know. This is like your thing where people get stuck in a snowstorm together and they fall in love. Yeah. It's hard not to when you get stuck in a snowstorm together. Allison thinks any two people who get stuck in a snowstorm together will fall in love. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to respond to the snowstorm or the the, the hotel scenario, frankly. That is... You, you really dug into the whatever the I don't know. You dug that one up. It's I'm just gonna say no, thank you. I think I'm gonna say no, thank you. There's a that's fair. I wanted to try. I'm gonna that's fair. Out. Yeah, and I don't want the naked, the nudity, not in my hotel. No, thank you. No grass. <laughs> you rock out. I hope you have a relaxing evening. <laughs> this was so amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. How how would you rate your experience on A on plus a, plus? Really? <gasps> yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, any any you. constructive feedback you have for no, us as, as podcast hosts? I like my cheeks hurt from smiling. <laughs> I like have to like rub whatever these muscles are. I get that all the time. Mm-hmm. And then really I'm like, I guess this is the suffering for enjoying life. People um. do. People. I just don't want you to feel weird. People do have given us constructive criticism <laughs> during these ratings. <laughs> Good for them. I don't have any. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. I feel great. I'm glad to have been a part of this. Love this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you you. for being here. Where can people find more information about what you do in Planned Parenthood? The PlannedParenthood.org is the best place to go. Amazing. Thank you so much. This is so wonderful. 
Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa D. Monts. Executive produced by Brett Broham, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam or youtube.com slash show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news and at Allison Raskin and at Gabby Road on Instagram and at JBU Podcast on Instagram. Bye! Forever! Yeah.